great, you guys. I am on an emotional high right now, and I have a lot of different emotions, but for the most part, I feel really good, and I want to tell you why. So for all of you who follow me on social media, you know that I just took my oldest son to college. He is about an hour away from me, which is far enough for him to be independent, but close enough for me to be able to get to him if need be. But I am super excited for him. I really, really am. And I'm surprised that I feel so good because I was expecting something different. I was expecting me to feel the way I felt when I was going to college. So let me tell you about that experience. Way back in the year 2000, before cell phones were really, really a thing, I was driven from El Paso, Texas to Austin, Texas to start my life at the University of Texas at Austin. And I was excited of all things about getting my computer set up so I could get on Instant Messenger. <laughs> Of course, you know, I didn't have a cell phone at the time. So the only way I was able to communicate with my friends that were a long ways away was AOL, Instant Messenger. Calling cards, you know, those are expensive. So I was going to reserve long distance calls that still costed money at the time for talking to my parents. But everybody else would just have to talk to me on Instant Messenger. So I was so excited about getting into that dorm setting up my internet so I can get in that chat room and say hi to the people I had left behind or people who had just gone different places all over the country. But once I did that, I actually scratched the itch and I found myself just walking around campus feeling lost, lonely, and not really knowing what to do. My parents had already left and were on their way to the parking garage so that way they could head back to the hotel. We were going to meet up and go to church the next morning and say our goodbyes from there. Let me tell you about how God will do a thing. I got back to my dorm and I heard a knock on my door. I opened it and it was my mom handing me a $20 bill just in case I wanted to run out and get some snacks or something to eat or whatnot. I was so happy to see her. And what I said is, oh, I'm gonna come with you guys. I just needed some more time. I needed some more time with the people I had spent 18 years of my life with. I needed to wake up to them one more time. I discovered in all of 30 minutes that I wasn't really ready to let go completely. So when my mom knocked on that door, I took every opportunity to get back in that car with them. And I got in the car and dad says, what you're doing here? And I said, I'm just going to come hang out with you guys. Let me tell you. That Sunday morning when we woke up on the way to church, I felt this gut-wrenching sorrow. It was more like feelings of nervousness because I knew that Monday morning would not look like Sunday morning. I would not wake up to anybody I know. And I was all of a sudden scared. And so I cried. <laughs> My mother and I just hugged each other and cried so bad as my dad just tried to comfort us. We went to church and they took me back to UT and I cried the rest of the day, as did my mom, according to her. She cried the entire drive back to El Paso. So because that was my experience, I assumed that that was going to be my experience when I took Emory to school. Interestingly enough, I experienced None of that the day we moved in. 
So my best friend, Kevin, joined us. I'm so glad that he did and helped us move Emory in. It was myself and my children along with Cool Kev. And we were setting up all of the things in his dorm. I was very careful to ask more questions than I was making assumptions. Hey, EJ, where do you want to put this? Go ahead and hang up your own clothes. As Kevin was wiping down surfaces with all of the cleaning agents, because that's what we do. We don't know who lived there last year, but we're going to clean this bad boy up before you put any of your stuff on their stuff. <laughs> so we were doing that, and I was just feeling the joy of knowing that my son is about to experience the highs of his life and create these memories and have these stories that will live with him for his kids to hear and his grandkids to hear. I was so excited. I think the emotion that I was feeling in the initial drive out there was this extreme sense of pride. It was an accomplishment for my son, of course, but for me as well, I'm a single mom. And I managed to raise a decent human being, a smart man who's going to go to college and experience life. Another thing that kept coming to mind was the word legacy. I think I was very excited about him being able to take away some of the things that I took away when I went to college. I likened it until when a mother sees her daughter have a baby. And now there's a conversation that the two of you can share. Now you know what I meant when I said, I've been dealing with y'all before you had names. <laughs> now you know what morning sickness feels like and there's just a sense of connectedness that you have because of this shared experience. That's what I was experiencing. There's a deeper connection that I'm now about to establish with my son because he too knows what it feels like to have a roommate and get along or not get along. I know that we can now talk about the first swipe of your dining dollars for your first meal as a college student, the first event that you go to that is new to anything that you've ever gone to, the first time you've just wandered around campus and found a student group that you really enjoy. I was really excited for him, you know? Even though my first couple of days at UT were a struggle because of the homesickness, once I found those groups of friends and those people that I could connect with, it was Spades in the Malcolm X Lounge. It was Intervision's gospel choir rehearsal. And it's friendship that I can say have endured the test of time. I was excited about Emery meeting his version of the friend who will help his kids move into college. I'm, I mean, I'm really, really thrilled about that. And so I didn't cry at all. I was fine. And everybody at work was like, girl, you gonna cry? I did not cry at all. And when people were texting me, asking me, how bad did you cry? I was so happy to say that I did not, until I did. We moved Emory into his dorm, but there were some things that he left at the house that we were going to take back with him the next day. He, not me, decided that he was gonna come back home that evening and then we would go for good the next morning. All he had to take was a couple of sweatshirts and his TV. So that morning when we woke up, we were getting things together. He already had packed the car with what he was going to take. And his siblings came down and gave him one last hug goodbye before we would venture off into his new world. Once we got to the college campus and I popped the trunk, I realized he didn't need me to walk him to the dorm. He had a duffel bag and he had his TV 
and the TV weighs little to nothing. So I didn't actually have to help him. And so I gave him a hug and I said, all right, boy, proud of you. And I still felt all of that excitement. But when I got in the car, wow, it was a flood of emotions. I was crying out of nowhere and a couple of things were coming to mind. One thing was just this great sense of pride. I was very proud of my son and I was very proud of myself for having raised him. I was proud that I made it and that I made it in such a way to where college is something that he desired and I was just proud. But I was also realizing in that moment that it wasn't just me experiencing a thing. I was also thinking about that his room is gonna be empty when I get to the house and his siblings are missing their brother. And that is a void that I can't fill. I'm very aware that parents have this very special relationship with their kids, but siblings also have a unique relationship with each other. Let me tell you why. Who else can they talk to about me? <laughs> now, while we all have our friends, there are just certain things your friends don't understand because they didn't grow up with you. But my kids have a shared experience with each other. My daughter has Emery as a big brother, and now her big brother isn't there to see her off on her first day of school. My youngest son, Joshi, has a brother. And so now he is the only boy in the house surrounded by all this estrogen and all this glitter. <laughs> I can imagine that on days where he just wants to talk about guy things or even on days where he just really wants to express how great of a practice he had for track. His brother had been with him all of this time. And now while he can hold his own, he is on his own. I am also very aware that as a mom, I get on their nerves. <laughs> And while Ari and Josh still have each other, there used to be a group of three and now they're down to two. So just whatever Emery's contribution to that Trinity looked like, it's gonna look different and it's gonna look different really forever. And so I can imagine that there's a mix of emotions there. And so I began to realize that my life really has changed. And so there's a mix of emotions. And it's important that we acknowledge that mix of emotions. Let me pause and encourage you parents out there. For me, it happens to be dropping my kid off to college. And while I have a shared experience with my son, there's also the fact that I'm missing him. For others, there are dropping their kids off to kindergarten for the first time. And while you are excited about your kid going to school, you also know that school and people who you didn't raise have access to your kid. And so that mix of emotions makes you a little bit nervous and apprehensive. And that's when you become that version of a parent that is forever hounding the teacher on how was his day? Did he eat his lunch? All of these things. You all are normal. I wanna normalize the experience of, I am excited and scared. I trust my kid, but not everybody else's. <laughs> I know that my child was raised to love and honor, but I'm also nervous that he or she will be influenced by someone else who seems cool and seems fun and doesn't have their best interest in mind. All of those things are very normal to experience. So the reason why I wanted to coin this episode with feeling all of the feels is because we really do as humans experience mixed feelings. 
And oftentimes we're trying to highlight one and suppress another, but I think it is a good idea to grace ourselves with permission to feel all of the feels. So with feeling all of the feels, I want us to give ourselves the grace to have a little bit of happiness and a little bit of sadness mixed in the same heart. Sometimes one emotion feels stronger than the other. Have you ever been to a funeral and laughed? <laughs> While you are grieving the loss of someone that you cared enough about to attend their services, something funny may have happened and you are now finding yourself laughing and then you might feel a little bit guilty about laughing because this is not funny, it's a funeral. Feeling all of the feels. And while sadness might be the heavier end of the emotion, there's a pocket of joy that inserted itself somewhere. The opposite is true. Something can be completely wonderful, but then you experience a hint of sadness. If you've ever had a friend to get married, you kind of know what I'm talking about. While there is this overwhelming joy that this person has found someone to spend their life with, you are also very aware that that's going to change the dynamics of your friendship. You can't just call at two or three o'clock in the morning like you used to and hangout times are going to have to be scheduled and prioritized differently. And so you're missing that person and the uniqueness that was that long lasting friendship. But at the same time, you are very excited about this new and exciting life that they are about to take on. We are allowed to feel both. You can experience all of the feels. So for anybody who is in a transition and you are wondering, how should I feel? Feel it all. <laughs> take a moment to feel it all. All of it is happening and all of it deserves to be acknowledged. So what about the uncertainty of it all? While we are embracing all of the things that we are feeling, there are parts of us that don't know what to feel because we don't really know what's about to happen. So what you feel is unsure. <laughs> and when people ask, how do you feel? And the answer is, I don't know. I need us to be okay with that being a sufficient answer. We don't always know what we are feeling. We don't always have a clear picture on what the emotion is. We just feel unsure. So I don't know if my son will change his major. I don't know all of the ins and outs of what my son will experience. What I do know is that I won't be privy to all of them. So the uncertainty of, I used to have direct access to what's happening in his life. I no longer have access to what's happening in his life. It creates a level of uncertainty. Who's going to break his heart that I won't know about? What teacher will say something adverse to him and he's going to try to handle it on his own, but mama bear wants to handle it, but I won't even know about it. Who will be the new confidant in his life? I do not know. So rephrasing what I don't know with what I do know is really what's going to help me stay grounded during this time. I don't know all of what Emory is going to experience or how he's going to handle it. But what I do know is that every experience is an opportunity to learn and grow. I'm also very aware that half of the things that I've gone through wasn't things that I asked for or things that I knew that I would go through. 
but it made for a much better version of me. I am a lot wiser at 41 than I ever was at 21. And I'm also very aware that that's not true for everyone. Age is not the indicator of growth. That is why we have old fools. <laughs> so what I can say is that I trust that my son will use any of his challenges as opportunities to grow and frame the person he is going to be. I'm aware that he has his own journey and his own story, and it is in my best interest to allow him to mold into the person that he is supposed to become. I've done my job, I've done my part, and I will continue to have an impact where he needs me. When it comes to this influx of emotions, all of these conflicting emotions existing in one experience, I cannot stress enough how important it is to lean on your support system. When I say hyper-independence can go out of the window in this regard, let me tell you, you need your people. There was nothing better when my face was flooded with tears and I had to pull over and just sit in the car and breathe than being able to send out some texts to some people who I knew cared. The best thing that could have ever happened was a call from my friend on the other side of the phone. Tam, you're good? <laughs> and I'm grateful that he called because he also shared in this experience. We were all there setting up his dorm. So he saw how excited I was and he heard the conversation about how this is a legacy of, that we're passing down. He was the first of our friends to see Emory when he was born. But now he has to deal with his sister, his friend. He was able to just laugh with me through some of the stories. I was on my way to do some retail therapy to kind of get my mind off of some things and he fully supported it. I'm grateful for people who know that there's a whole lot of emotions that I'm experiencing and even though it might not be directly impacting them, our friendship directly impacts them. And they thought enough of me to reach out to me when I really needed that love. Lean on your friends, lean on your parents if you have them. These people are actually ready to love on you and they want that. And sometimes people don't always know if you are in the mood for it. So if you cast out that little lifeline, they will respond. They'll meet you with the text that you need, with the phone call, the brunch, <laughs> whatever their mode of uh, operation is, they will meet you where you need them to be. And you have to just say something about that human experience as well. So thank you guys for showing up for me in a way that I definitely needed and being my support system in that very weird time when I just got through telling you guys how excited I am and now I'm acting like I can't get it together. <laughs> so I have to admit that I'm also feeling very hopeful. I'm very optimistic about where my life is headed. While I am very excited for my children who are growing up and becoming independent, that also means something different for me. I'm also becoming a lot more independent. I became a mother at 23 years old. So all of my adulthood for the most part has been surrounded by motherhood and that's not going to change. I will be 60, 70, 80, 90 and still be their mom. But the scope of what motherhood looks like is changing. I'm no longer having to carry around strollers and diaper bags and it's not soccer games and piano lessons that I'm having to attend anymore. This is now me being able to 
support them as they become more independent. And I also get to become more independent. And that's honestly something I'm very excited about. It was really cool when I went to New York this summer and I didn't have to worry about my children because number one, I raised them right. They're going to be just fine. But also this will become my norm. I no longer need a babysitter. <laughs> They're self-sufficient. And as they become even more self-sufficient, it frees me up to really embrace life differently. I get to live the version of my life that my parents are living. When I go back home to visit my parents, that room that I walk into does not look like the room that I grew up in. It looks like the room that is ready for their grandkids. <laughs> and I think that's so beautiful. I think it's beautiful that my parents have embraced the truth that their children are grown and that they're really into this grandparenting thing. And now they're in this place where their grandkids are practically grown. And so their life is transitioning too at any given moment. I can call my mom and she is somewhere in the country and she's not having to worry about my brother and me because we got it. She and my dad are honeymooning all over again. And that's beautiful. And so while they are still amazing parents and amazing grandparents, they are living a life with and for each other that could not happen when my brother and I were still at the home all day, every day. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what the rooms in my house are gonna look like five years from now. I'm excited about the fact that I changed up some stuff last night. <laughs> I'm excited about being able to travel the world and, and spend my money on things that have nothing to do with uniforms. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. And I think it's okay that I'm excited about that. I'm excited about my kids being productive citizens who can manage life on their own and what that means for me. I get to create my schedule in such a way that suits my emotions and my finances and what I just happen to be available for. Yes, I'll miss my children. And yes, I still have two years to go before I really am an empty nester. But just that forecasting and that forward thinking of that time coming, I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to reaping the benefits of having a healthy relationship with my children. As they become more independent, I get to see our lives intertwine in a different way. This phase where my kids need me in a much different capacity more for advice and consultations, less for direction and commandments. <laughs> and so I am excited about the freedom that we are going to be able to share with each other, the laughs that we are going to have that we couldn't have up to this point because they were kids. But now being able to allow with my adult children on adult topics, I'm excited about that. And so all of these emotions exist in this one person. All of these thoughts flutter through this one mind. And what I want to empower you and encourage you to do is feel all of it, is to acknowledge all of it. Even write things down. What parts of you is sad? What parts of you is hopeful? What parts of you feels nervous? And what parts of you feels very excited? It's okay for all of those things to exist at the same time. 
and for you to embrace the fact that your journey is constantly evolving and that as you embrace the change, you will feel these ups and these downs. I've always liked to say that life is a roller coaster, not an elevator. There's not this pinnacle that we reach to and then we've arrived. What it is, is hills and valleys, and we encounter some dips in the road. But for every dip, we know that there's another rise, and we are able to look at the last pleasant experience and know that pleasure will come again. And sometimes they are existing concurrently. I am able to know that even in the dip, I am on this ride. And this roller coaster that I'm experiencing right now is both nerve wracking and exciting. And I'm very grateful that I'm in a place where I can feel all of it, all of it. And so for all of you who are out there listening, I wanna say, feel all of it. And for the parts that you're unsure about, just reach out. And that is why community is so important because we never know what the person beside us is going through but if we stay connected, we'll go through it together and we'll be on the other side talking about it <laughs> as a story of how we've triumphed together. So to you, I say, embrace every feeling, ride this roller coaster. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be just fine. Thank you for listening to Transitions with Dr. Taylor.